0: Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook, facebook.com slash
1: Elwood City Limits, Twitter at ECL Podcast, Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com, and Gmail, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com.
0: And from listeners like you, thank
1: you, and my free
0: time, got to get that in there. Well, through, uh, through sickness and in health, in wealth and prosperity, in good times and in bad times, this union still is continuing. Yes, that's right. Elwood City Limits is back again.
1: <laughs> that's right. We never left. It's almost like a marriage and that we're going to just keep doing this forever and ever. There'll be weeks off, but we've we've made a blood pact, a blood oath.
0: Forever and ever and forever and ever. Well, knock. Uh, there's no. There's no wood in. There's no wood in uh, in uh, knocking distance. So uh, hey, uh, you at home? Knock on some wood for me. My name's Will Young. Uh, thank you for joining us for the episodic Arthur podcast. I was the one who was sick last week, so I had to call in at the eleventh hour and let let Lucas know. Uh, by the way, that being Lucas Mancini, my uh, hello, very courteous guest host. Sorry that I uh what was a little bit too under the weather to join you last week
1: oh that's fine i'm actually first i had to set up signs in the rain today it's a long story and i was like freaking out that i was gonna get a cold but i'm feeling pretty good so uh luckily i've dodged that bullet and i'm trying to stave off that that early fall sickness myself Got to keep up on my vitamin C, maybe get some orange juice when I go grocery shopping today. I was
0: actually just saying to uh, my fiance, she had a little bit of a bout of something like a little bit of a virus last week. And not to to, um, jinx anything, because of course I've been sick plenty of times in my life, but I've also been, I have a pretty decent immune system. I'm also a big strapping lad, so uh, that probably helps to evade a lot of minor sicknesses
1: you know what they say the more you can bench the less you get sick that's just science
0: well big strapping lad not in the sense of that i'm strong or you know of any use in that department i'm just i'm fat i'm it's a polite way of saying that i'm fat
1: i i i well I, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay i you've left me speechless <laughs>
0: for once my goodness all i had to all i had to do was uh uh, describe my gut to you okay well no spin uh, we're not going to be speechless anymore because we've got ourselves an episode of arthur to talk about in fact it was the one we were going to talk about uh last week in fact uh, these notes have been open for a whole week here so let's not waste any time no emails to get through today so let's go and do it lucas first episode we're talking about is francine redecorates
1: and we get a really fun opening Uh, To start this episode off uh, It's Francine uh, filling in the Arthur talking to the camera role. But we get these, it, it, this reminded me of, uh, and I think we've brought this up on the podcast before, but the YTV uh, public service announcement, the what's your thing. <laughs> uh, I know we've talked about this before. I mean, it's kind of a Canadian touchstone. If our American listeners haven't seen it uh, by now from hearing us talk about it, I recommend you look it up on YouTube, but it's the same exact concept. Uh, Francine says, everyone has their own tastes, which I agree with. It's very true. And I really like this intro because it's basically some quick cuts of everybody basically saying what their thing is. So we get Muffy's into typical girly stuff. She loves fashion. Uh dw singing the crazy bus song in like a really over the top way where she like barely knows the lyrics but she's like selling it's like a very karaoke-esque performance because she barely knows the lyrics but she's really selling the performance
0: yeah you're right uh so uh i had a first question here is this the first time that francine has ever done the cold open herself i want to say i want to say yes
1: if not it's very sparingly that she has because it feels special that it's someone other than Arthur doing it
0: yeah you're right dw is kind of bee-bopping and scatting the crazy bus lyrics It's just like <laughs> it's got to be whoopee goopy, yeah goopy. i'm like okay well uh,
1: you know what you're else? like what, is that is that crazy bus or is it a future song <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, uh, Muffy talking about you know she likes dresses in pink or lavender, no orange ever. Which is the, which is the final cross, the last draw for me. If you don't like orange, well, I don't know what we have (laughs) to talk about. Orange is my favorite color,
1: and I think orange has come back since the nineties. Like I think orange is pretty in right now. So, Uh, well, fools, jokes on you, Muffy.
0: Well, you would know. You seem to have a little bit more of a fashion eye than I do.
1: The, the the real fashion is just putting on whatever you like, whatever makes you feel confident.
0: That's right, it's kids. A,
1: a, it's a, a, I, hey, just like this episode says, everybody's got their own taste.
0: Uh, and uh, Sue Wellen is talking about a uh, notebook. A notebook is useless unless you personalize it. And we get a great one. so we are going kind of back and forth in the style of that Canadian commercial we were talking about. Uh, and, of course, the best joke of it goes to Binky, who does, like, three different cutaways And he's, like, really trying to think what he's going to say. And in the question of what is is your favorite thing, Binky says macaroni and cheese.
1: But he's, like, what's great about it is that, like, we get the first one, he's, like, uh. And then some more people's things. And we cut back to Binky, and he's, like, uh. Like, you can see the wheels turning. And then by the third time we cut back to Binky, he's, like, I got it. Macaroni. And the camera zooms in, and he goes, and cheese. Like it's this big relato- relevatory character trait about Binky.
0: I really can't blame him. A good mac and cheese. My fiance makes an awesome mac and cheese because she bakes the cheese on top of it. And now that her stomach's better, actually, I might be getting that this week. So Ooh. fingers fingers crossed, boys and girls and everybody in between. Uh, we've got ourselves an episode here. It starts off with Arthur and his dad preparing a yard sale. Uh, th- this is, this is funny. So, you know, his dad is a big uh, believer in one person's trash is another person's treasure. Arthur is kind of fishing through a box and he pulls out what looks to be a mug of like a clown holding a fish. And yeah. he, he makes a great noise. Just goes,
1: wah, wah, wah. yeah, he's, he's like disgusted by this. I love like, uh, this seems to be like a common trope is like fish tchotchkes, like <laughs> one that, uh, 90s shows always made fun of is like the singing fish on the wall like that thing right uh but i've really haven't seen that many of those in real life but i'm always excited when i was a kid i was always excited when i saw one in real life because i'm like oh it's that fish thing that people have on tv uh so i like i just like it when shows make fun of like ugly fish tchotchkes
0: one of my favorite uh, genres of youtube video is um the when you get one of those fish statues and it doesn't work properly so it just sounds like a demon
1: Oh jeez! Those are so
0: funny because usually the people who are ta- who are videotaping it are like la- laughing that kind of laugh that's just like ha 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 ha, like they're <laughs> kind of scared but kind of amused, and they sound truly horrifying. Uh, and this is we actually get another fish thing here. So D W is uh, offering up Arthur's toys from quote unquote storage to give to to give away to people. And it's just stuff that he already plays with. And then one of the things that she offers to Francine, who comes to check out the art sale, is a a, what looks to be maybe a Game Boy or like a Tiger Electronics handheld game. And it seemed I got
1: more of a Tiger Electronics vibe because it was like standalone or Mm -hmm. like if you want to get old school, like Game & Watch.
0: Yes, exactly. And it's called Fish Finder 6 and it's advertised as having improved
1: graphics. Uh, they really lost the path after Fish Finder 4. <laughs> Did you have any uh, Tiger Electronics uh, games when you were a kid? Oh, I must have. Like, pre-me like me getting a GameCube, I think that's all my parents would let me have. Mm. Uh, I, I I can't remember the specifics of one. I feel like there was one that was kind of like Mock Rider. Um and I, I feel like I've played some of the Game & Watch games somewhere. I don't know if I played just, like, an emulated version of them, but I have memories of, like, playing the Game & Watch game where... I don't know if they... They must have been reissued with, like, a Happy Meal or something because I remember playing the Game & Watch game where it's, like, the squid and you have to, like, get the treasure up from the squid uh, and, like, you go down and then you avoid his tentacles. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the more famous Game & Watch games. It makes an appearance in, like, Smash Brothers Brawl, but I don't know where I would have pe- played that because Game & Watches are, like, really old
0: i've i've never touched a game and watched myself i had a the ones the tiger electronics i can remember having are i had one with aladdin i think i had a lion king one and i had a star wars one.
1: Ooh, you got the licensed ones
0: yeah they were they were fun before i had real video games francine's kind of looking around for just uh Well, as we find out later, she's got a very unique taste and she finds something that is to her liking, which is uh, mom and dad's favorite never used wedding present, which turns out to be an ottoman with a built in foot warmer and TV dinner tray. It's a it's something.
1: It's got the look of something that would break like after four uses. I feel like that that type of like furniture you plug into a wall unless you're getting like a really high end a heated couch they always break really easily for some reason just in my experience
0: yeah it's one of those things that like where you have a thing that's meant to be several things it's not going to do any any one of those exceptionally well because you're essentially spreading it too thin i mean the ottoman part seems fine but then like the foot warmer doesn't look it's got like a foot imprint so it probably only it's like you have to be that size or or smaller And then the TV dinner tray, that would be uh, such a pain to clean because you would have to like really dig out everything, every part of the TV dinner or else it or else your ottoman would smell like used food. It's it's gross even to think about. So Francine is incredibly excited, brings it back home. And we kind of start the um, the clash here between her and her sister Catherine. By the way, Catherine reading a uh, looks like a leather bound version of Wuthering Heights Just like a teenager.
1: And I don't want to get too ahead of uh, ourselves here, but like the... Portrayal of Catherine as a '90s teenager is so on point. From her, she's got a very particular way of speaking that the like writers always make fun of, like teens in the '90s. How she's like, it's so da da da. Like she has this very sing-songy way of speaking. Uh, that's like it seems very deliberate. Like it doesn't seem like it's a voice of uh, a choice of the voice actress. It seems like something that would have required like some direction. Like say it like this. And she talks like that all the time. Uh, the way her character is dressed, like all the kids in Arthur are dressed very formally. Like they all wear sweaters and collared shirts mm-hmm. where Catherine's got like the cutoff, the cutoff jacket uh, and the, the like Converse and the leg warmers. Like, I don't know. I think like and the way like her hair, even like her bangs with the ponytail. Like Catherine seems like a very accurate portrayal of a teenager in the mid 90s to me. I think
0: and, and and the clothing difference I would I would guess is being like Catherine is finally able to like buy her own clothes versus like Francine and Arthur and everybody who have their clothes bought for them is probably it's
1: it's just a great detail for them to have thought of right mm-hmm. because that's how it would be but a lot of shows like everybody kids adults doesn't matter what your age is y'all dress the same just because that's how the characters were designed
0: uh, she uh, Catherine kind of reminds me a little bit of Julia Styles's character in 10 things I hate about you.
1: Oh, interesting! You know, this is gonna be a pretty embarrassing, but I actually haven't seen that movie. I know it's supposed to be very, very good, uh, but I, I, it's it's a big blank spot on my Heath Ledger to watch list.
0: As far as '90s teen movies go, I think it's really at the upper echelon. It's very, it's very good. I I really enjoy uh, watching it.
1: I'm a clueless man myself. I mean, oh
0: yeah, clueless. That's
1: a that's a top ten movie for me. I actually adore *Clueless*.
0: *Clueless* is a great movie. Uh, my fiance introduced it to me, and I was like, really skeptical. But then I saw through the whole thing. I'm like, that was delightful. I really yeah. Enjoyed it's it like
1: now. it's very engaging. Uh, yeah, I, lo- I love that movie. Anyway,
0: then I find uh, then I finally had context for the Iggy Azalea video.
1: Little, ooh, the less said about. Iggy Azalea in general, the better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so Catherine is taking exception to this Ottoman being moved into uh, her room. It's Francine and Catherine's shared room because Francine has brought in a bunch of other knickknacks that have that have really no theme and are really tacky, but Francine thinks they're cool. Like, Well, actually, the, the first one she mentions is pretty cool. Uh, she has like a light-up ice cream lamp. It's like a lamp in the shape of an ice cream cone. She has a an alarm clock that is in the shape of an erupting volcano, and she also just has a statue of like a like a komodo dragon, just like a standing I, that, statue of a reptile.
1: It's almost Godzilla esque the way it's standing on its like hind legs, like old old Godzilla, like not the recent designs, but like classic 1950s. yeah fifties.
0: And uh, Francine also is not a fan of Catherine's uh, uh, design, which is very lace driven. And Catherine defends herself by saying it has a unified theme. Francine comes back with nauseating. That's the theme. And and <laughs> and in t- and speaking with, uh, you know, Catherine has a very, uh, very distinct way of talking. She comes back with, you are so ignorant,
1: which is which <laughs> like, is I, I wrote that down, too. That's a great line,
0: which is definitely like a teenager. Hey, just discovered what ignorant means. I'm going to use it in like every sentence kind of thing. I loved it. So this
1: whole exchange I find really realistic, like as someone who's lived with roommates uh, and my girlfriend, for instance, is very particular about like uh, she's really passionate about uh, the way we decorate the apartment. And uh, you know, we're all very excited about this new Ikea that opened up in our town. You can see (laughs) a great Buzzfeed article about how much of a stir that's caused. Uh, But I've been there quite a few times since it's opened. Uh, But I, I could totally like empathize with both Francine and her sister about when you have to live with someone else who doesn't quite share your your decorating tastes. Uh, it can be frustrating uh, when they just sort of like because it's it's your space but it's not your space because it's a shared space. And so when someone intrudes upon that and like I don't know buys a table that's ugly, you're like oh this is like in my space this ugly table I don't like. So it's a very realistic and almost grown up problem. Like unless you had siblings and kind of lived in a a shared living space like Francine and her sister do because they're in an apartment, uh, you wouldn't really experience this problem until adulthood.
0: I actually think that uh, an Ikea visit is in uh, the future of myself and my fiance. She's been very excited to see it as well. So I'm sure sure she'll come come home with something.
1: been there five times. Five times? uh, I have been there five times. We were there opening day uh oh what did you yeah. buy
0: did you buy that guy's second place in line for a thousand bucks or whatever it was
1: no 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 no. we it's funny all those stories about the the like four thousand people standing in line or whatever uh they scared everybody off by the time we got their opening day because we went in after work and so like that was actually the least busy day we've been of the five times on the weekends it was crazy
0: awesome i'll have to keep that in mind and yeah you're right i've, I've kind of run into this a little bit we're Uh, less fussy when it comes to decorating but like one thing i had to get kind of not get rid of but i had to uh really downsize was you know when i lived on my own i had a bunch of posters and you know a lot of them are wrestling posters but posters all the same and then moving in here it's like okay we need to it's either got to be in a frame or we're or it's not going up because we're not putting up posters so i had to kind of say goodbye to that uh segment of my life
1: I, I I'm forever thankful to my girlfriend for allowing me to keep uh, our my framed uh, Giant Bomb poster signed by uh, five of the Giant Bomb staff. Uh, it is framed, but it hangs pro- uh, prominently in our living room and. It makes me very happy.
0: Excellent! I'd love to see that sometime. And it's framed, so you know it's it's yeah. t- it's tasteful.
1: It's framed and signed. It's it's, it's pretty big deal.
0: That's going to be worth something someday. Francine shows the ottoman to her mother. Catherine again has a great sl- great line of I, I I might as well put a sign up on our door: toxic taste dump. And it's, uh, her- a,
1: it's a double entendre because her dad works at the at the waste dump.
0: Oh yeah, she would know she no thing or two about dumps. Uh, so she, (laughs) uh, sorry, I made myself laugh for the exact reason that you're thinking. Uh, Uh... (laughs) uh, Catherine, Catherine and Francine's mother, uh, says that the room's due for a new paint job and, uh, they, they start, um, they come out with like their preferred, uh, color palettes. So Francine's is red and purple. Whereas Catherine's much more, uh, if you will allow me to stereotype just slightly, much more teenage girl of mauve and gray.
1: Did your parents ever let you pick the color of your room? No. Uh, because I, my room was painted like twice when I was a little kid, and my parents never let me pick the color. Uh, when I was a kid, I always wanted, because uh, my cousin had it, because uh, his parents let him pick the color. I wanted a green screen green. Like, that's that was my dream uh, room okay. color. But my parents never let me do it.
0: No, I didn't get to pick mine either. It was always just about like, well... This one is kind of the least offensive to look at, and uh, kind of keeping the house's value in mind. So, but it was never anything, you know, ob- objectionable. It was always kind of, you know, uh, ye- yellowish or, as Francine's yeah. mother's, mother says, white. That way, the, tan,
1: tan, or very light blue for me.
0: That so they decide to kind of get some ideas about. Uh, what what they should have the design of their room be. Francine goes to uh, different f- female friends of hers and kind of tries to uh, get some ideas of a theme she could do. She goes to Muffy's and uh, she's immediately kind of intimidated by all the stuff that she has. And uh, it's kind of a cutaway to Francine in this like giant, almost looks like a warehouse with just like girders and stuff and just surrounded with all the- this crap essentially and she just yells into the echoing maw, where's my bed? And so she's it's like,
1: it's like Muffy lives in the warehouse from the end of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs>
0: That's right. <laughs> Francine's like, hey, where did you put, uh, where did you put the crazy bus CD? And Muffy's like, oh, it's being looked after by top men. Who? Top. <laughs> men. <laughs> That's uh, funny. Uh, Francine goes to Sue Ellen, uh, who is, she she's kind of like showing stuff that she got from all around the world and francine's mind immediately goes to like her essentially living in like a jungle like she's swinging from vine to vine and uh looks in her beds like made out of rock or something and she just slips and falls off a vine and like like does a flat back bump and it looks pretty painful and francine dismisses it and says the exotic look really isn't me
1: all it's missing is that oh no uh, is it Phil Collins? Who did the song from Tarzan? Phil, Phil, Phil Collins. Is it Phil Collins? Yes, I got it right on the first try.
0: Not bad. Uh, and finally she goes to see Fern, who I'm very happy to see is becoming more of a regular character. Uh, and Fer- Also becoming yeah.
1: more of a goth, apparently. I
0: know, this was great. So, it's like Fern is, uh, you know, she, she kind of goes to Fern's room. It's a little plain. And she says, this isn't my style. And, uh, Fern says, not mine either. It's my mom's style. And she opens up this book and she says, now this is my style. And it's a like a literal vampire's crypt. Like, I was just watching Fright Night the other day. This is what Jerry the vampire would live in. <laughs> it's, and, it's, and it's hilarious. It's like Fern is a low-key goth. It's mm. kind of awesome. Catherine and Francine present their design ideas at a family meeting. Do you, do you ever have, like, regular family meetings?
1: Like, the, not, on, this like on the for- not this formal. It was pretty informal family meetings where we just kind of talk to each other. Mm. It was never like, all right, gather around.
0: Yeah, like taking minutes and stuff. Uh, so Francine, they both kind of drew them up on paper. Uh, I like how on Francine's design, it's just like, um, uh, it's like a basketball hoop, it's a bed, it's very bat-themed, uh, as I recall, and she also has, like, um, a lamp covered with, like, spider webs, so it's a little spooky in time here for Halloween in a couple of weeks. And, uh, Fran- and Catherine doesn't like it. She's like, "Where's my bed?" Which they both kind of end up asking of each other's. And Francine points to this tiny little square on the outside of the room and says, "Right here." So that, that, was, <laughs> so that was funny that she's just kind of shunted to the outside. Uh, Catherine's idea is uh, quite uh, much more lavish. Uh, it's kind of got like a grandfather clock. It's it's also um, a, bit, a bit a grand
1: a grandfather clock that doubles as a bed. Yes. Uh, that's that's what uh, fr- she expects Francine to sleep in.
0: Nice, nice detail here of how like Francine's is very basically drawn, and Catherine's is a lot more ornate. And I think that that was uh, a, that was a good idea to like make their drawing styles both distinct. Uh, mm. Like it's a little detail, but I appreciate the commitment to it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's exactly she says, "Where's my bed?" She points to the grandfather clock. Says this converts to a cot, and Francine just says, "I can't sleep in a clock."
1: which is actually pretty reasonable like i don't think it'd well, be I, difficult to Well i don't, the I, don't
0: clock. Think, I don't think it would fold up i think it would fold out it's not like she has to go inside the clock every night
1: but still like how comfortable could that cot be that's a good if it's a working grandfather clock as well
0: that's a that's a very good point uh so they're kind of at odds at this point Francine also says that uh i don't want to i don't want to be sharing my room with some crazy frillanoid which is which a, is a
1: hilarious like turn a phrase frillinoid it's
0: very it's it's very 90s
1: you gotta avoid the frillinoid
0: uh (laughs) and uh eventually francine says like i like i might as well or no catherine says i'd move in a second and francine says i'm fine i'll move and then catherine's like no i said it first i'm moving and they decide to give her essentially a what Catherine calls a loft style room in the living room. So it's essentially she
1: says, she says, I love it. It's like living in a loft, which I thought was a great touch. Cause like, once again, it's a very teenager thing to like, you know, romanticize, uh, having like a bachelor apartment or, uh, a, a, like a loft style living situation. Like, I think it's a very, a very, it's, very intrinsic to that stage of your life about fantasizing about, oh, when I'm out on my own, I'll have an apartment in the big city and it will be like a loft and like it's so modern, like very realistic for the time. In an era where like Friends is on TV and that's like the standard of which everybody judges themselves against, this is like very realistic.
0: Yes, and to those of us who are older, it's it's like saying, I love it. It's like having a studio apartment.
1: Yeah, 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 Exactly.
0: And it's it, like, really, it's not that great because it's just the living room separated by a curtain, basically. And it doesn't even seem that appealing to like, like, I wouldn't want this room. It seems like a real sacrifice of privacy. And I'm surprised my, that a, I'm surprised that a teenager would go for that.
1: My, uh, my sister's uh, not my sister, my, my girlfriend's older sister uh, had a, a similar uh, arrangement uh at one of their places just because they didn't have a separate room so they kind of built uh like one of those you know those wooden things in like tv studios uh that those like wooden uh almost like accordion walls that like fold up do you know what i'm talking yeah. about yeah like yeah yeah change behind those so dividers. they had like they had basically two of those set up and that was what uh cut off her room from like everything else in the area
0: I see, yeah, it's it's just like even when I was a teenager, I'm like, no I no, I really need a door here like let's let's make that very clear. uh, it may appeal to some, but it definitely wouldn't have appealed to me uh <laughs> and Francine gets to discover the joys of basically what her having her first apartment like she goes back to her room and uh like does the whole hello, and it echoes and I'm just reminded me of when I moved into my first apartment before I had anything. And I'm like, it's so empty. Uh, she also does. She also does a great, uh, uh burn on Catherine before the, that scene ends. Uh, she's she's like Catherine starts like puts a mat down on the table and just like talks about her unified theme. And then Francine's like, "See, she's like a disease from a space meteorite. She spreads everywhere." And yeah, then she and,
1: compares her sister to venom, essentially.
0: Yeah, does the zombie walk out of the room of lace? I need lace. So at this point, Francine's trying to find more stuff for her room just to fill it up so it's a little less empty. And uh, the perks of having a dad who works at the dump, you can go dumpster diving anytime you want.
1: Yeah, this show really romanticizes, like, finding cool stuff at the dump. (laughs) Uh, Like, I feel like we've seen that happen over three times in Arthur thus far, and it just doesn't seem that realistic. I don't know. Maybe people threw stuff out differently in the 90s but i i don't think i'd ever met anyone who have found anything useful at the dump besides uh a new door from a mazda 3 that was found at a dump.
0: ooh. uh oh oh and uh lest we forget of course uh dw wishing that she had her own bedroom. it's like arthur and Francine. oh are my pl-
1: gosh. this might be my favorite part of either of these episodes. <laughs> this was amazing.
0: yeah, of course. i don't want to forget about it. uh uh, D.W. is watching Arthur and Francine play basketball. And, of course, D.W. still has to share her room with Kate. But in her imagination, uh, she uh, she gets to move into the garage, uh, which is great because everybody operates under D.W. logic in her imagination. So it's like her parents are moving the bed into the garage, and Mom says, turning the garage to your bedroom was an excellent idea, D.W. And Dad just says, now Kate won't bother you.
1: <laughs> like yeah, everybody. It, it's like a universe that's bent to, to D.W.'s whims. So we get a shot of like the inside of D.W.'s like, pr- uh, idealized room. Uh, Walter the deer is there, which is a great callback. Uh, Mary Mooka is in there. There's a couple like there's some great uh continuity with this sequence, and then it all it also shows that uh D.W.'s got like a video doorbell like. <laughs> Arthur rings in and he pops on the video screen. DW is like, "What do you want?" And like you said, it's it's the DW verse. So Arthur, of course, is just like a fiend for cake. That's all he wants. He's like, "DW, do you have any cake?" And then DW, the great and powerful,
0: she's she's like she appears to people as a like a head in a cloud, and she just goes, "No, now go away." And then yeah, she...
1: it's like she's in the Wizard of Oz, or if she's. Rhymes Wizard of Oz if she's Zardaz. Uh either way, giant floating head.
0: The gun is good. <laughs> and then and then she and then she trapdoors Arthur. There's a trapdoor in the garage, and he just gets sent to the center of the earth, I'm to assume.
1: There's also uh there's also like uh Buckingham Palace guards <laughs> yeah. like guarding the outside of the garage.
0: Yeah, my my uh, my fiance was wondering about that. She thought they were mounties for a second, which would have been even funnier. But no, she's got the Bucky and Palace cards, like you said. And uh yeah, it is it is a fun uh <laughs> it is a fun little aside there. Uh so Francine searching for stuff at the dump and she s- seems to not be able to find anything that's me. But then she does. Uh she was uh her previous design for her room include a lot of bats, and she manages to find what she calls a batmobile, which is essentially like one of those things that you put above a baby's crib, except it's like a, all bats.
1: A baby mobile, but with bats. I wonder if they like. It was they just decided to have it be a bat mobile because they wanted to make that reference.
0: And uh, yeah, of course, I remember as a kid, I was like, "That's not a bat mobile. It's not even a car." I didn't uh... see it. Flew a little bit over my head. Uh, so Francine puts the bat mobile in her room as Catherine is still. Seeming to enjoy her time in the living room. And then (laughs) the breaking point for Francine having her own room is that night she uh, goes to sleep and has a a dream that her mobile comes to life. And, like, so the bats kind of come off of the rigging and they start kind of doing shapes in the air. And she's impressed by them at first. But then they all kind of morph together into, like, some sort of weird evolution. It becomes a real bat. With a rather suggestive face, I might add, and it keeps kind of swooping towards her, and also it has it has like a Transylvanian accent, and it may be
1: because yeah, it, it's it's a very like Boris Karloff like impression.
0: It kind of reminded me of uh of Michael Morbius from the uh, '90s Spider-Man cartoon.
1: Ooh, I'm not familiar. It's
0: just like, I'm so glad you don't share a room, Francine. (laughs) And I just was waiting for her to talk about it. Like, "I, I hungered for plasma or something like that. So, as
1: much as uh, D.W.'s imagination sequence was true to her character, I feel like this imagination sequence just kind of seems a little bit out of character for Francine. Like, I don't think... It's kind of weird that they all morph into one bat, and I guess it's kind of scary in the context of it's a nightmare, but I don't think Francine would be that freaked out by this. No. But she ends up being, she ends up being pretty spooked just in time for Halloween. Exactly, and I wrote that in my notes too. Uh,
0: the next day, uh, Catherine and Francine find each other, and they... Um, they found things for one another to help spice up their rooms. Francine, uh, uh, Catherine has got for her the, uh, the clown mug with the fish, which Francine declares as super. So <laughs> that's definitely in line with her taste. And she gives Catherine an old tea set that she found at the dump, which hopefully she washed before she gave it to her. Uh, Catherine kind of looks at her room and Francine says, maybe you could put it in your room, your real room. So kind of a little bit on a dime, uh, Francine is, um, you know, offering Catherine her room back. And th- and Catherine's also expressing that her room isn't all that great either, which we got to see even less of. So we kind of just have to go along with it. And then as soon as their parents come back, they've decided to uh, recombine their rooms into one and they're all of a sudden fine with each other's decorative taste, which I... I'd...
1: Well, Francine see- was feel like... Francie, we get a little bit more motivation for because it's not just the nightmare. Like, she was uncomfortable when she felt her room was, like, a little empty. Like, when she's sort of Animal Crossing happy home designer, like, arranging all of her furniture around and she can't get it quite right because it's so empty. Mm-hmm. And then someone uh, someone offers that maybe she needs more stuff. That's why she goes to the dump. So she was already kind of uncomfortable at that point. So she does have motivation for wanting to have Catherine back uh catherine though is a little bit more on the dime
0: yeah i guess i guess that's a good point we have seen francine's uh viewpoint throughout this whole thing and it seems like well we arrived at this i don't see why this was so difficult from the beginning but i guess they all kind of they had to have their turning point at some point it just i don't know seems like a seems like a bit of a path to get to this result uh anyway uh so then francine has a couple of her friends over muffy sue ellen and fern And uh, they're marveling at all the stuff that Catherine has just in awe of this, uh, you know, all the possessions of a teenager. Uh, Fern says she wishes she had an older sister, too. And then from from uh, from outside, Catherine just yells at them, feed off the furniture. And they all just kind of instinctively take their feet off of like the bed or the ottoman or whatever they're sitting on. And that's typical Americans wearing their shoes inside the house. Yeah, really. That's unthinkable when I was a kid. And that's the end of that story. And now, and now, a word from a kid.
1: And now, a word from a kid. This is very loosely related to the episode in that it deals with furniture. Uh, and a girl who I didn't quite get the name of, but she's extremely talented at uh, basically doing custom paint jobs of different furniture. She paints like a sun on one. Uh, she paints like a moon on her desk uh, and it's very detailed and well done not much to say about this besides there's something soothing about watching people paint specifically mix paints together and stuff there's a Bob Ross quality mm. to the uh, way it's, it's always magical when someone's really good at painting and you watch the paint like like a Bob Ross because they make it look so effortless but it's like oh there's just like a blob and then three strokes later it's like oh my goodness look at look at this uh, skyscape. So uh, I got a kick out of it for that. Uh, And it was also nice to see them focus on one subject for a word from us kids rather than just a classroom. But it is really loosely tangentially uh, related to the episode.
0: Yeah, really breaking formula with this one. They even had to do a new recording of and now a word from a kid. Uh, Yeah, no, I think it's cool. It's always interesting to watch someone do something they're very good at. uh, Like you said. Uh, whether it's Bob Ross or whether it's this girl, who they actually didn't name. I was actually going to say over under on this girl being a daughter of someone on the crew. I was
1: just, I was good at, you took the words out of my mouth. I was like, this is totally a production person's kid. They're like, my kid can, my niece is really good at painting furniture.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it, but I mean, it, it, is, it is cool. And I can kind of see... If you squint at it, you can see how it fits into the episode of like, oh, it's about, you know, painting like your own sense of design and all that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, it it, it it's fine and it's uh yeah, it's, it's 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 fine, basically. And now back to Arthur. All right, let's get into the second half of this episode, the second story, Arthur the Loser.
1: NBA season is starting <laughs> again very very soon. I'm, like, knee-deep in preseason coverage. I've been reading a lot of articles on The Rigor. I, I listened to Bill Simmons', like, NBA, like preseason podcast about over-unders of all the teams in the eastern and west conference like i'm knee deep into it right now so it's another case of like my thoughts being projected into the universe and arthur grabbing onto those uh imagine my excitement when this episode starts with a rip-roaring b-ball game
0: yeah like like you said you really liked the dw as the wizard of oz uh imagination sequence this one i've been thinking about this this cold open for like years now. Every once in a while I just remember it. I will say before we get into that exactly, uh check Elwood City Limits' social media. I posted a YouTube link to a like behind the scenes video of how an Arthur episode gets made in in 2017. It's very interesting and I got quite a laugh out of the fact that uh the voice actor for DW, the little boy who voices DW now in season 20 Uh, He says, like, when I'm not doing the show, I love to play basketball because, yep, ball is life. And I immediately thought of our boy, Lucas. (laughs) A man
1: after my own heart. So, Arthur... Is ripping up the court. He's like a little Allen Iverson. Like he's a lot shorter than the other players, but he is crossing people up. Yeah. He's out there breaking some ankles, and he's shooting from way downtown. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's great. Like he does a uh, he does he's doing he's doing some stuff you only see on Slam Ball. Like he goes up to the he goes up to the rim uh, for the dunk, and he's like you know, you know, Arthur's, you know, five feet or below and he's getting like these huge jumps. You'd have to get there. He's, on got, some of, he's
1: got some of uh, Michael's secret stuff.
0: Yeah. He's wants to be like Mike. Uh, Fra- uh, and you can clearly tell this is a fantasy. I mean, obviously from the way it's presented, but uh, the way that people talk is very much in like their trailer voices, you know, like, you know, brains like we need one more basket to win. And Arthur's like, if Francine <laughs> gives me the ball, I'll take care of it. <laughs> and there's even a cutaway when arthur goes for the dunk and she's it's francine just going go arthur It's <laughs> like awesome. oh geez i wonder who whose fantasy this could be uh but yeah no it's awesome it's awesome and then they do they do essentially the same thing so in the real world and in imagination it's the same sort of scenario of like they're down two points and arthur does a bit of a breakaway and you know in his imagination he succeeds wildly and mr ratburn says arthur's team is the winner but then he tries to do it in the real world it's not nearly as exciting or impressive uh arthur misses a two pointer and then mr ratburn blows the whistle and just says binky's team wins
1: I love the delivery on Vicky Steve Wits. Like uh, <laughs> that was the perfect like cherry on top of the whole situation. It
0: it it's so ordinary, it's so deadpan that it's a, it's a great contrast to everything that we saw at the beginning there, and uh, it's it, it, and even down to the language of like so in the imagination, brain says. We need one more basket to win. In real life, he says, if we don't score this basket, we lose. Like, it's it's, <laughs> it's much more of a negative tinge. or, just, or Glass maybe... half
1: full, half empty
0: situation. Exactly. And Arthur can't even muster the trailer voice in real life. He just goes, I'll take care of it. Not I'll take care of it. I, I, I love the attention to detail in this opening. Mm. And it essentially, I, I think the message is something along the lines of like, uh, uh, like being the best or winning at something isn't as easy as you think. It's a little bit of a, it's a little loose uh, tie into what the episode's all about, but I really, I really like the presentation of it. Uh, So we do get into the episode, uh, another new title card with the Reed family taking a picture I'll add there. Uh, So it comes with a, with a fake commercial for a- Which is
1: a a very accurate fake commercial. Like this, this commercial is cut and voiced Exactly like many a board game commercial in the nineties, I got flashbacks to what's the one where the stuff pops out of the guy's stomach? Oh, op- uh, operation. No, 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 not operation. It's the uh, there's like a guy like an Ace Ventura type looking dude, and then like CGI shapes like pop out of his stomach. Uh, oh, oh, uh, it's oh, like perfection. It's one word. Per, per, yeah, Perfe- perfection. Pop goes perfection. Wow! But all those like YT once again YTV like sorry and like trouble like we love getting in trouble like this is a very true to life representation of board game advertising the most fun you'll ever have and much like real life arthur like the first line arthur says after the ad ends is I want that game.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It is. It, it's funny how, when you think about it, board game advertising to kids was ubiquitous back in the '90s. Like there were so many, and you already listed a bunch of them. You know, there were other ones for like Grape Escape and Mouse Trap and Free. Mousetrap,
1: Trap. It's a zany action, the crazy contraption, the, the fun, fun is, fun is It's
0: mouse trap. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Or like, uh, yeah, Grape Escape or Freddy Cats or any of those other ones. So it was everywhere, and I forgot about that. And you... how,
1: how could I forget Mr. Bucket, <laughs> the illustrious,
0: or Mr. Bucket, or, or, or the one with the the crocodile teeth?
1: Uh oh, jeez, that thing was deadly. I'm surprised they allowed kids to have that thing. That's like so a, scary.
0: That's like a Five Nights at Freddy's thing waiting to happen. Or uh, it's like
1: it's like the kid version of Russian roulette when you think about it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess it kind of was. I I don't think I ever really played. It. I think I was too scared. I thought it might. You know, bite it my it hurts when it hits you.
1: Like if it, if it bites your finger, it kind of hurts. I don't know. It's messed up. Uh, Not like Mister. Not a good wholesome game like Mister Bucket. You put the balls in his mouth. Well,
0: yeah. Uh, we got uh, yeah. The game. <laughs> <laughs> the game is called No Guessing, and you're right. It is. It is very true to how those commercials used to be, and I must commend them for that uh and um Arthur is very adamant about the fact that he wants that game uh he's outside like the toy store with his friends pointing at it and it's just like they say it's the most fun you'll ever have and Francine is obviously uh just being like more more fun than the last day of school more fun than Christmas morning and then Arthur's just like, I want that game. <laughs> Uh, hashtag
1: i want that game
0: hashtag i want that game uh we uh we get a little thing of arthur trying to get the money out of his bionic bunny uh piggy bank and he's like making the real like tongue out concentrating face and dw is watching him and just says does making those faces scare the money into coming out
1: great line
0: uh and then finally arthur manages to scare up the x amount of dollars he needs to buy no guessing i did like when he buys it at the toy store you could see the clerk behind the counter like literally counting his money at the counter which seems like a, a little unprofesh like he's uh
1: i mean i as someone who, who back in the day would give the person at eb games a ziploc bag filled with loose bills and change uh i've seen someone count the money on the counter before
0: oh yeah okay uh, i it, it, it just seemed like something that maybe uh upper management would frown upon unless this guy owns the place in which case he can do whatever he wants uh so arthur's very very excited to play no guessing which is essentially it plays out the board looks it's it's basically trivial pursuit with a bit of a uh, bit of a be- bent towards kids and there's a big button in the center with a star and when you land on it it makes like a boring no noise and Everybody, you gotta,
1: you gotta put the sound effect in here because it's like, it's, 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 uh, it's one of those things where Arthur episodes, like the audio of them, sticks with you all these years. Like the very, very unique, it's like almost a, like, it's such a unique sound, and it adds so much to like them winning.
0: Yeah, it's and it's it's unforgettable. Once you hear it, like it'll be in your head, and it's very satisfying too. The pushing of the button mm. looks looks like something I'd like to do. It, it, it reminded me the color, I guess, the color palette of it reminded me a little bit of of Sorry, but it is definitely uh, Trivial Pursuit uh, because you just ask trivia questions and get closer to the center. Uh, so the first one he plays plays with is Brain in the Treehouse. The question that Brain asks him is essentially like, "What makes up mud? Like H two O and or H two O and soil?" And Arthur guesses phosphorus, which is kind of crazy. But when I was a kid, <laughs> this is the first place where I found out what phosphorus is because I looked at yeah, it. Yeah,
1: it was. I I thought it was really funny that like this first question's like, c- it's just funny because like Brain's supposed to be the smart one, but like Arthur like totally overthought this question.
0: Yeah, and uh, so brain is the first one to win, and of course, when everybody wins, they uh, they do the ding in the center, and then they raise their their fingers in the air, a la Daniel Bryan, and say, "I win." So, th-
1: and there, it's great because it's a it's the the uh, the way they animate it is it's the same Dutch angle from the commercial, so it's like off off kilter. Uh, and they all raise their hands the exact same way where they go, I win, imitating the commercial. Just like when you would play sorry against kids, they wanted to be as annoying as possible and they would imitate the sorry, sorry, sorry from the ad.
0: Yeah, or for me, it was, it was you always had to say, you sunk my battleship.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: I always wanted talking battleship. I wanted that like crazy. I,
1: I had talking battleship. Oh, you had talking battleship? Too- I, I had Talking Battleship, but I found it too complicated because I didn't understand the military alphabet. Oh. Because it would always be like Echo, Lima. Like it was like the shield or something. <laughs> it was like. Uh, so we just kind of played it and I think it would like run out of batteries so we would just play normal battleship on the talking battleship board but I did have talking battleship back in oh, the
0: day you lucky that was one of the ones that was one of the toys that escaped my childhood I never got it so Arthur gets wrecked uh, by the brain and, or, and and it's actually it's a montage of Arthur just getting wrecked at no guessing and uh, everybody doing the I win thing Uh, and it's a great it's a it's a it's an embarrassment of riches when it comes to images of arthur reacting to things he pulls this
1: episode this episode in general has a lot of like we'll get to it later but the amount of like sketchy eyes in this episode is almost out uh outweighs like all the sketchy eyes we've seen in the entire show thus far like in this episode everybody looks sketchy as heck
0: and like it's in- it's one of the most meme worthy episodes I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put up the Arthur reactions that I got uh, later on this week. Uh, so check out our social media for that. Uh, so Arthur is not only loses at no guessing like he throws it under his bed essentially and like kicks it under there so how the how the tables have turned. but he's also not very lucky in anything else. like he goes bowling with Francine and uh, he loses and-, and he says to Francine, please don't say. I win and Francine goes okay you lose <laughs> Which is
1: awesome. Which are, I, I really laughed at yeah that
0: was awesome so Arthur's really bummed out that he's been losing he's telling his family at the dinner table uh, <laughs> my fiance loved this one Jenna loved this she's uh he says I even lost my glasses even though they're like on his forehead and DW says I'll help you find them for five dollars and DW's out here hustling yeah never missing an opportunity in fact she sees an opportunity to win right here because she decides to she comes up to arthur's room while he's moping and says how about a little game of cards before your luck changes i mean to help your luck change
1: and <laughs> she's great it's it's so funny because she's like legitimately like tried to sell that she's not trying it's so funny because like bad luck isn't really real you know what i mean yeah. like this idea that because Arthur's on a losing streak, this is the best time to strike to beat him at cards <laughs> is just a funny concept, but it totally makes sense with DW logic.
0: So they essentially, I believe, they play they they play go fish, and uh, DW is trouncing Arthur, and he's only got one type of he's only got one card left, and DW asks for it, and he says, "I can't lose to DW." She'd tell everyone, <laughs> and as we've seen before in the show, she would indeed tell everyone about the one time she beat Arthur at cards.
1: It's just so funny cuz she's like trying to be trying to have beat Arthur at cards this whole time. And DW's like I can't lose to DW like the embarrassment would kill me. Uh there's a recent episode of Rick and Morty where uh they it's like a clip show episode where they look through all the memories that Rick deleted from Morty's mind uh and there's one memory that's really funny that uh Morty didn't know that Rick deleted where it's the one time Morty beat Rick at checkers and he was like so embarrassed by that that like he he erased it from his head.
0: Yes, Arthur is as petty as Rick himself because he manages to keep the game going which I don't I mean Arthur must have gotten a, an awesome run of cards after that because DW had him dead to rights in in the sense of go fish. And he manages to pull off a winning hand. And then Arthur realizes that uh, he he says, uh, well, and uh, sorry, the other important thing here is that he distracts DW by like saying, look, a swarm of lightning bugs. And then looking at her hand. So Arthur says to pal, now, if, if my, if my luck won't change on its own, I'll make it change. And it's just like, it's a great example of Arthur lying to himself. He's very good at that. Because this is straight-up cheating from the get-go. Like, there's there's, oh there's nothing not cheating about this.
1: This is one of the only times we see Arthur as an antagonist of an episode. I mean, it, it he, maybe he's more of an anti-hero, because this is just, like, his downward spiral. <laughs> it's the first time we've seen Arthur really go on a dark path. But I love it. I love scamming Arthur. Like, this whole montage of... Arthur with his shady eyes, like his squinty, sketchy eyes, like trying to hustle people and uh, uh, finesse people is just hilarious to me. Maybe, I know as a kid it's supposed to teach you a lesson, but to me, I was just like, I love watching Arthur out here scamming. Yeah, it's
0: very unusual to have, uh, you know, the main character of the show essentially as the antagonist. It's basically the closest Arthur ever gets to Breaking Bad. <laughs> arthur himself playing the role of walter white and you're like well i like arthur but i don't really like what he's doing like i don't know how i feel about this and uh yeah arthur is pulling off all these great confident faces because he's uh essentially distracting everybody and then looking at the cards they're going to draw and that's how he knows the answers uh and we get a uh, like a a montage of after him losing, we get a montage of him just, like, effortlessly answering questions. He even answers one ab- more quickly than he should before Sue Ellen can even ask him. Uh, later on, everybody he played with is convening at the Sugar Bowl and wondering, like, how Arthur has gotten so lucky. Uh, and very interesting here, he's he- Arthur is held above reproach by his friends. You know, Brain even says, but Arthur would never cheat. So it seems in- completely impossible to them that Arthur could be capable of such... Uh, such treachery, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, all the more to make it the perfect crime when he finally does start, like, cheating people. He's even, like, practicing new
0: techniques, like, with a rope through his sweater, uh, when like, when he's back at his house and the the winning is starting to go to his head because at the dinner table, he has a great line where he's like, you know what the most exciting thing about winning? It's when you win. I love that oh. feeling and it's just like, it, it's like it's a confidence for, like, a For, like, a normally anxious character like Arthur, it's so strange to hear him so confident and, like, beaming, essentially. He's so happy.
1: He loves the hustle. What can I say? I mean,
0: it really does get into his veins a little bit because it extends to all the other games he plays with his friends because they no longer want to play No Guessing because he just wins all the time. So Arthur has uh, no grasp of strategic losing to make it interesting for everybody else to play. Uh, So they decide to play other games. Uh, but Arthur finds ways to cheat at that, too. So they're playing cards in the treehouse, and Arthur just so happened to put up a series of mirrors over everybody. This is everybody else's fault. Like, how do they not see what's I was just gonna going to say the
1: here? same thing. They should be like, uh, wait a minute. Like, this is on them for not noticing the uh, like obvious con. But I will say I love Arthur's... Uh, alibi here. When someone asks uh, why do you have all these mirrors set up in the treehouse? Arthur's like, very matter-of-factly, he goes, oh, they make the room look bigger.
0: Yeah. It, he has like a very interior design, like, mirrors make the room seem bigger, Sue Ellen. He does the classic, and I put classic in many, many air quotes, uh, distraction technique when they're he and the brain are playing mini-golf. He just goes, hot shoe! Like, pretends to sneeze and to mess up brain shot. and And then he gets like the Oh, the troll answer that drives you nuts. You know, Brain's like, you did that on purpose. And Arthur says, oh, come on. It's part of the game. If you can't handle a little competition, don't play. And, and this is where everybody's starting to get mad at him. They're like, they know that he's up to something and they've got to find a way to bring to bring him down a peg, to make him lose a game. so that he
1: kn- I just realized that cheating Arthur basically exclusively talks in Trump tweets. Oh, it's when you win i love it's when you win i love that feeling <laughs> the feeling when you win if you don't want to play you can't enter the competition part of the game
0: <laughs> you know you know your trump your trump imitation sounds a lot like marrow imitating trump
1: that's i it's my trump imitation's literally just the marrow trump invitation that's where i got it from oh i love the what he, i love what he does it though it's hilarious
0: oh today in the news trumpito trumpito oh,
1: trumpito your, your wild buns, my man's wild buns.
0: Come on, it's part of the game. If you, if you, <laughs> if you can't handle a little competition, don't play. I watch exactly. I, I watch. You know
1: what though? When you think about like those words written out, it like it fits perfect.
0: Absolutely, like a, a little too, a little too well, which is why I kind of groaned at it at first. Had to get some dizes and marrow in there to help the medicine go down uh Mm. so they they say that you know arthur's beaten every kid at the school so there's nobody that can possibly challenge him and like in the like in the recently announced red dead redemption 2 or like in a like a classic hollywood western binky barnes slams open the double doors of the sugar bowl he gets like he gets a real like tough guy uh entrance which i thought was really funny uh and they just say hey hey he hasn't beaten binky yet so let's uh Let's get him to do our dirty work for us.
1: Yeah, they say people don't usually want to play with Binky because Binky is known for cheating. That's right.
0: So how do you? And he's like, how do you? How do you cheat a cheater? Well, you cheat him with a cheater. Uh, and so Binky challenges Arthur to a game of no guessing, it's, and they and they're doing it in the cafeteria in front of everybody because everybody wants to see Arthur lose at this point, and everybody being like Francine, Sue Ellen, Brain, and a couple of the the no names, including Frank the Rabbit who makes another appearance here. Arthur, because he's being watched by everybody can't really cheat. So he's on level playing ground with Binky uh, because Binky says uh, like Francine comes up to Binky and he, who is losing at this point, And she's like, why don't you cheat? And Binky's like, I don't know how to cheat at this game. You gotta know stuff. <laughs> and uh, well, and, and to, and to be fair, that's a, that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, so uh, Arthur gets a question wrong, and then everybody really like goes like, "Yeah,
1: all right,"
0: and Mickey goes.
1: Eh which is like at this point I'm like oh Biggie plays board games just like my friend Josh plays board games (laughs) if you ever play board games with my friend Josh it's very similar whereas like if you play Monopoly with him he always insists on being the banker one because he'll just pocket bills from every transaction and two he always tries to make side deals like here's a little five just remember who gave it to you for no reason (laughs) it's a very exhausting and draining experience
0: your friend your friend Josh from what you've told me of him sounds like it sounds like a real antagonist when it comes to, you know, fun games.
1: <laughs> Quote, unquote, fun games.
0: Yeah, maybe not so fun anymore. Uh, so everybody's very excited that Arthur lost that point, And then it, Fern kind of comes up to him and says, everybody wants to see you lose because you've been acting like a jerk. And uh, th- this is, this is uh, okay, so this is where we go a little bit
1: yeah. off, off the rails. This, so it, this episode is, has... I always pride Arthur at really, really naturally telling a lesson. Like, I love how the kids usually find the lesson uh, of their own accord. Like, they come to the moral uh, as one of their own conclusions. But this episode really, really overtly beats you over the head with the moral of the episode. And I think it it uh, plays on something you mentioned earlier. It's so odd to see Arthur just be straight up uh be so in the wrong that i feel like the writers found kind of felt kind of hamstrung by the uh, uh situation they had put arthur in and so they had to really make it make him do a 180 to find the error of his ways and be like listen kids don't cheat because the episode makes cheating so seems so advantageous <laughs> and fun earlier on they really have to turn the car around uh, to get their point across, and I think this acts as a detriment because the next, basically, I it felt like ten minutes, but it's probably like more like five. The next five minutes of the episode is just kind of hitting you over the head with, "Hey, cheating's wrong, and you shouldn't do it."
0: Yeah, it's a re- it's a real it's a real butt pull at the last couple of minutes of the episode because literally we go like Arthur looks at the camera, and then all of a sudden we get like an at literal like cartoon thought bubble of him and. Buster comes into the thought bubble and he says, you need to talk to me. And Arthur has like an internal conversation with Buster who is representing Arthur's conscience. Like this is, this is, this is, this is (gasps) crazy. Crazy.
1: I actually thought this was kind of a cool, like, storytelling device. Like, I love love the role of Buster as the friend that's from far away. It's one of my favorite things they've done with this character. Just because it's, like, cool to see him as the voice of reason. It's an interesting role for him. And I like him as Arthur's Obi-Wan. But the things that they're actually saying is really boring. It's like, oh, cheating's wrong and you shouldn't do it. And there's not much more explanation besides that very, very black and white logic. And so, like... As much as I like the framing device, this whole thing kind of, I got checked out at this point.
0: Yeah, like it. Like if you cheat, then you'll lose all your friends. I'm like, yeah, okay. I've, I've heard that one before. And then so, Arthur, Arthur's conscience essentially tells him to cheat in order to lose. So to throw the game, and uh, that way his friends will like him again. And cheating to lose sounds deceptively hard. Like, it seems like one of those things that just like, okay, I'll just cheat but the other way. But I don't know. I feel like that would be difficult to pull off naturally. So, uh, I don't know, that just kinda got me thinking about that. But essentially what Arthur did do- I was
1: like trying to think of times I've cheated to lose, and I was at a house party recently where I was playing Soul Calibur against a girl who I don't think has played Soul Calibur before, and I went very easy on them. And they actually beat me, but it was because I was going very, very, very easy on them and playing as Lizard
0: Man. Yeah, it's like play it's it's like um it's like holding back when you play against a younger member of your family, like, you know, letting letting my little cousin win at Mario Kart. So I'm just like, oh no, I fell off the map again. Uh yeah yeah so so essentially Arthur's storing the game he's giving Binky all the easy questions and uh, Binky does beat him but then every it, like they go to shake
1: hands we get this great montage of Binky answering the easy questions and like he starts off very like he puts a question mark at the end of all of his answers like Arthur's like I don't remember the exact wording of the question but he's like this canine has four legs and Binky's like uh. You mean like a dog? Like he's so unsure that that's the correct answer. Yeah, just... Uh I just thought, it... but he gets more and more confident as he keeps getting these easy questions, and he's very excited to be getting them right. I just like that. Yeah,
0: this is like, um... oh, oh, what was it? Um, uh, a basketball is full of air, and then it... and
1: again another another basketball question. Like once again. Uh, this, this Arthur episode's speaking my language. They're picking up what I'm putting down.
0: The bread around the hot dog is the bun. And, (laughs) and Binky, and Binky does win.
1: We start to just, we start to just see the answers. At some point, I don't know if this is an answer Arthur says earlier in the episode or that just Binky says at the end. But at some point, one of the answers is just the Boston Red Sox. Which is like, huh? I guess the Boston Red Sox exist in the Arthur universe.
0: Yeah, no, that was uh, that was one of Arthur's questions that he got right. Uh, yeah, so they go to shake hands after the game, and uh, all the cards fall out of Arthur's wrist, and he gets a little embarrassed. And then we, and again, we get kind of the kind of the weak uh, uh, hitting home of the message of just like, I hope you realize, Arthur, that cheating isn't worth it. And like, yeah, yeah, okay, we did, and uh, we even we even get like a really like a really surprisingly clumsy wrap up line. It's just like, let's go to the sugar bowl to celebrate my losing. And then Francine goes, no, let's celebrate everything being normal again. And it's just kind of like dusting your hands off and just like, okay, solve that one. And the episode actually ends with Arthur writing a letter to Buster about the whole situation and this
1: actually kind of this this brings it. I was like feeling really sour about that ending. And then this little bit brings it back around. Yeah, it's, this is fun. Yeah, it's
0: like Arthur saying, I want to thank you for all your useful advice. I couldn't have done it without you. And Buster's reading it in his dad's plane. and He just looks at the camera and goes, huh? So, <laughs> so like, yeah. what is he
1: talking about? Yeah, that's kind of cute.
0: OK, so uh, let's go back to let's dial it back and talk about what we thought. Francine redecorates. How was that one for you?
1: So Francine redecorates – it's not like a laugh-a-minute episode, and it's not super engaging, but I liked – it It tackles a subject. It's one of those episodes where it doesn't – it tackles a subject that uh, you don't really see in most kids' shows about – you know, the trials and tribulations of sharing a living space with someone and coming to terms with that. It's a very grown up lesson. And I also like how it's a Francine episode specifically about Francine and her sister. Uh, it's one of the most female focused Arthur episodes like we've seen thus far. Like there's barely a presence from a male character in the entire episode. Like we get Uh, a little bit of Arthur at the yard sale, and a little bit of Francine's dad, but besides that, it's all female characters, so I applaud it for that, Uh, it brings a different dynamic with the sisters, and we get a little bit more Francine's sister, which is always fun, but I'm not going to say it was the most engaging episode ever, and it's definitely not one of the more funny ones, Uh, but I did like it as a change of pace
0: um so i have kind of the same thing to say about both of the episodes but i also but i will also go into specifics in a couple areas as well so the general thing i want to say is that i felt like both of these stories kind of fell apart at the ending or maybe not felt maybe fell apart a little bit of a uh strong but i felt like like the endings were comparatively weak compared to the things that i liked about the episode which were in the first two parts like in francine redecorates i thought that it kind of wrapped up a little bit too snugly in too little time like it wasn't like I didn't really believe it it just seemed a little bit too convenient and as we just discussed with Arthur the loser I thought that uh, the um, the moral of the episode was really hammered home a little too hard in the ending versus the rest of the episode which kind of like you said glamorized cheating a little bit so it seemed a little disingenuous. How okay, but in terms of Francine redecorates, I, we really talked for a while about like the representation of Catherine as a character, and she's kind of low key, a little bit of a favorite of mine. I like uh, I like seeing her, and I like the dynamic that she has with Francine. I think they have a very good chemistry and they're very believable as sisters. And uh, I kind of liked the visual elements of this episode too. Like all of the tchotchkes that Francine has around her. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't knock your socks off or anything, but I, I, I liked the, uh, a few of the, uh, the elements that made up the whole. So it's definitely, you know, fun to, fun to watch at least once.
1: It's a very low key episode. Like, I don't know. I, it was a good episode for this time and place. Like it's got a fall, like fall cleanup just kind of chill kind of vibe to it uh which is unique
0: yeah it's like it's it's not uh it it's not not high stakes by any, by any uh by any stretch of the imagination but that's okay they they uh you need a little br- breather every now and then uh, the things I liked about Arthur, the loser, I,
1: this, it had a humor to well, it. I'm i so, I'm so conflicted about Arthur yeah. the Loser. I really, me am. too.
0: Because like the first two thirds of it are actually really great. Like there's a, there's an awesome energy to it. There's a great flow, uh, some very good jokes in there, some great animation because of, of all the expressions that Arthur goes through. I also thought that, uh, Arthur's voice actor did a very good job of uh, portraying Arthur at like his lowest and at his highest. Like, Like I said, it's, it's, it's unusual to hear Arthur kind of this full of himself, but it was also a lot of fun because it's so unusual. Um, and I, and I did like kind of remembering how, um, popular board games used to be. And that was, that was fun as well. But, uh, like we talked about, I was kind of let down a bit, uh, by the ending and I felt that the whole message of it was, uh, really hammered home in an obvious way that, uh, I didn't think I I thought could have been a little bit more subtle or done a little bit differently, but it's definitely hard to condemn this episode as a whole because there's so many fun parts to it.
1: Yeah. I almost totally agree with you. Like I was enamored with the first two thirds of this episode. I love the basketball opening. I love like the board game ad. I love all the kids beating Arthur at the board game and doing the pose from the commercial. Uh, I love Arthur as a scamming cheater who will lie like Eddie Guerrero style lies <laughs> and cheats and steals his way to the top. I thought it was hilarious watching like Arthur finesse all of his friends and them like buying it hook line and sinker. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of fun animation touches from the kids all doing the same pose after winning to uh, every- Arthur's sketchy eyes and then f- Arthur's friend's sketchy eyes when they kind of realize something weird's going on with Arthur. Mm. And then it kind of falls off a cliff like when Arthur is supposed to realize the error of his ways. And I think it's because they overcorrect like they make cheating seem so fun In this episode that they really have to hit you over the head and be like, don't do that, though, because you'll lose all your friends. And they don't really, like... I know they really don't have to because it's like, okay, cheating's bad, it's a kid's show, but they don't really, like put any there's they don't make an argument for why cheating's bad it's just kind of something they say hey it's wrong and they don't explain why it's wrong it's just like hey don't do that so it really falls off a cliff for me in the end and it does get pulled back by that little fun magical realism moment where it's like arthur's like oh you gave me the vice and buster's like what that was in your head uh so uh, yeah it's a very it's worth watching the first two thirds just for how like like you said, it's very quick-paced and zany and, and odd, uh, but the ending, I was, like, rolling my eyes, which is not something I often do at Arthur, but I really was with how after school specially it was. Like, it was almost Saved by the Bell-esque with how, like, cheating is bad. We won't cheat anymore.
0: Yeah, the best—the the moments when Arthur really succeeds as a kid's show is when it doesn't— It's when it's subtle. Yeah, it's when it's subtle and when it doesn't feel like a kid's show. Like we've had some episodes of Arthur that are really like they speak to us now as adults, and mm. they really don't talk down to their audience. And I felt like this was kind of riding the line a little bit uh, towards the negative end. But I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, that won't be the norm going forward. So, in conclusion, Arthur is a study of contrast, or at least uh, the, these these, <laughs> these two stories are. <laughs> that's funny all right so uh before we move on here of course we'll get to we'll get to the plugs very quickly on social media it's been a little bit quiet this week because we've had an off week but it'll be back with more images and whatnot and everything (laughs) much like a
1: guy much like a guy visiting bella hadid with not fresh sneakers (sighs) it's quiet for us
0: but let me tell you if you send us if you guys send us an email (laughs) homeboy's gonna
1: get it so read it on the air
0: (laughs) right so of course you can find us on our social media facebook.com slash elwood city limits twitter at oh my gosh i forgot
1: ecl podcast EC- i believe yes
0: you're right lucas at ecl podcast bad bad that's why that's why i shouldn't take weeks off elwood I, re- I read it in the intro every time that's right elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com and of course if you if ho- you homeboys want to send in emails it's <laughs> elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com uh way sh- dope. very dope <laughs> uh Okay, and if you want to find us and, of course, continue to listen or listen to any of our back episodes, you can find us on Apple Music. If you got the new uh, iOS 11, it's in the podcast section. You know, things have changed around a little bit there, but I'm slowly getting used to it. Apple Music, give us a rating and review over there, please and thank you. We are on ElwoodCityLimits.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N. We are also on the Google Play Store. I did get a message uh, from a from a listener on Twitter asking if we could be on Spotify. So I looked up a little bit of the process of how to get on Spotify, and I did submit us uh, for consideration. I did submit us for consideration. Uh, but we're gonna have to wait and see on that one. If there's that's fun. I,
1: I'm a Spotify subscriber myself, so
0: I I've not joined it yet because I still have my iPod that's crammed with music. So I'm very much old school like that. I haven't, uh, or, or maybe just old man like that. I haven't uh, done the uh, the Spotify service or anything like that yet. And uh, yeah, so if there's any other. Um, services that you want Elwood City Limits to be a part of, uh, to make your listening experience even more pleasurable, then please let us know. Coming up next week, uh, we've got another set of episodes. In fact, it's going to get a little—it's going to get a little angry. It's going to get a little—it's going to get a little mean. It's going to get a little bad. It's there's going to be—it's going to be, it's gonna be uh, rude and full of attitude. Next week, our episodes are going to be Arthur versus the very mean crossing guard and DW's very bad mood.
1: Oh wow, strap in. So we'll try and
0: keep it as posy as we can, but uh, no promises. It's gonna be uh, uh, all all kinds of negative Sith-like emotions if you've seen the new Star Wars trailer.
1: I have seen the new Star Wars trailer. Listen, I'll try and combat all that negativity with the, the high I'm going to be riding uh, after all of the opening games for the NBA season, that's which I'm very much looking forward to.
0: That's right. We'll be into it by then. Okay. So for myself, Will Young, thanks a lot for sticking with us through the through the absence. We'll be hopefully back with you next week. Lucas, what's up?
1: I want that
0: game. I want that game too. All right. We'll catch you next time for Elwood City Limits. <laughs> Mr. Bucket! That's right! I'm Mr. Bucket! I'm Mr. Bucket! Toss your balls in my top, I'm Mr. Bucket! Out of my mouth and will pop, i Mr. Bucket! Wee! We're all gonna run, I'm Mr. Bucket! bucket the game's Mr. Bucket, the first to get their balls into Mr. Bucket wins, but look out! Cause the balls will pop out of his mouth! I'm Mr. Bucket! The balls pop out of my mouth, I'm Mr. Bucket! A ball is what I'm about, I'm Mr. Bucket! Wee! We're all gonna run, it's I'm Mr. Bucket! Mr. Bucket, from Milton bucket Bradley!